Welcome to RV Out West. I'm your host, Brooks. My family of fours base camp is located in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and our RV adventures radiate out from there. Please grab a mug of coffee and join us as we discuss RVing around the American West. From sweet camping spots, gear and equipment, to tips and tricks, we've got you covered. We are RV Out West. The Oregon landscape showcases beautiful eco-diversity and is a pretty special place to RV. Joining us today is Kathy Belge of Solo Women RV. She spends her time solo traveling around the state for months at a time. While she is not full-time and does maintain a home in Portland, Oregon, she has found a balance of RVing and living in the city. In this episode, she shares with us trips on solo travel, how she makes it work, and a great 10-day RV trip itinerary starting from Portland. Kathy, I'm very excited to be welcoming you on the show. Thank you for chatting with us today. Yeah, thanks so much. Great to be here. Tell me a bit about yourself, how you ended up uh, solo RV traveling around the Northwest. Truth is, I'd always been attracted to RV travel. I, you know, I was one of those people that was going to the RV shows and, you know, just kind of dreaming about RV life, tiny house living, just really drawn to the simplicity of it, but also the travel aspect. Feel like I was kind of waiting around for a partner or somebody who wanted to join me. And I think one day, I don't even know what it was. It just clicked. It was like, hey, you know, you don't need to wait around for someone else. You can do this on your own. And a couple of things happened. My dad passed away which gave me a tiny bit of money. And I had the opportunity to take a sabbatical from my job for six weeks. And those two things came together. I bought this RV that I'm sitting in right now and headed out on a month long trip. And then shortly after that was over, I decided I wanted to figure out a way to, to put more of that into my life and ended up quitting my job a couple of years later, about a year and a half later. And haven't looked back. Where was home base for you? So when you were starting all of this and thinking about tiny living, kind of where were where was your sticks and bricks at that time? So I live in Portland, Oregon, and I still have a house in Portland, and I'm not 100% full time. So um, I still have my home, and I will return back to it at some point. Right now, it's rented out, but that is I consider that my home base. And that's where, and, and I'm actually right now sitting in Lapine, Oregon, which is about four hours from Portland out near Bend. And um, I love traveling in the Pacific Northwest. It's one of the most beautiful areas. So you rent your place out when you're not using it. Are you doing like short-term rentals or like, like STR, VRBO kind of stuff? Or are you doing um, friends, family and no, I, it's actually a website called Furnish Finders, and they cater to traveling medical professionals. Okay. So people who are looking for three to six months at a time, which is good for me because right now I'm kind of up in the air. I don't know exactly when I'm going back home. So I don't want to do a long term, but I don't want to deal with the hassle of like flipping it over every couple of days either. That makes sense. That's a smart find there. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and are you born and raised in Oregon or the group? No, I, I come from the East Coast. I'm born and raised in Syracuse, New York, but I've lived out in Portland about 25 years now. Okay. So doing the solo RV travel thing, 
I think a lot of listeners on their minds, has there ever been a situation? It's been scary, spooky, startling. Here's on the next standing up kind of thing. And can you share a little bit about that? Um, I can. Yeah, I did have one situation that was a little bit scary. And um, let me preface this by saying I love Harvest Hosts and I stay at them and feel very safe with them. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Harvest Hosts, but I happen to be staying at a Harvest Hosts in Idaho. And um, as a solo woman, as a queer person, traveling through Idaho can be a scary, a scary place to be. And I was actually traveling through there right after the incident with the Coeur d'Alene Pride event where there was all those white nationalists who came through. And they all and got were, arrested in the U-Haul, right? Yeah. So I I was passing through there. I kind of didn't want to stay in Idaho, but it was like a long day and I needed to stop. So I stayed at this. It was a golf course. And um, the, the golf course was lovely. The hosts were lovely. I actually met someone who was on the board of directors Everything was wonderful um, until everybody left and it shut down. And there was a bunch of teenage boys who were zooming around on the golf carts and just kind of circling my RV. And I was there all by myself. There was no one else there. It's at the end, long dead end road. And, you know, hooting and hollering. It was pretty scary. It was definitely a scary um, situation. Uh, you know, they didn't approach my RV. They didn't knock on it, but I know they were just trying to intimidate me. And um, that was just, you know, I don't know if it was because I was solo. I don't even know if they knew I was solo in there. Um, but uh, that's that's literally the only scary situation that I've ever had, though. I mean, I feel like doing this for four years and having one incident like that can happen to you no matter where you are, right? In the city or whatever. I would totally agree. Yeah. Absolutely. What tips and suggestions do you have for those looking to do solo travel? I say don't let solo being solo hold you back from travel. I'm going to say this. You'll be there will be times when you might be scared. There might there will be times when you might be lonely. But that's not a reason to hold you back. They're just feelings, right? And um, and we can move past those. And there's also going to be moments when you are just sitting all like yesterday, I was sitting on the Deschutes River all by myself, just, you know, watching the, the wildlife, the birds, the water flow by. I mean, there's so many moments out here that make it worth any, you know, the moments of uncomfortability, you know, it's, it's just so worth it. So I would say, don't let your fear hold you back and go on out there and do, but, but also do what feels comfortable to you. Right. Like for me, I don't do a ton of blocking because that for me, that doesn't feel really safe. Right. So go somewhere, especially if you're just getting started close to home, maybe a state park or an RV park, if that's your thing, somewhere where, you know, maybe you have good cell reception so that, you know, you can call out if you need to maybe someplace where there's campground hosts uh, so that you have that point of connection and just, you know, start out like start small. You don't need to, you don't need to buy an RV and quit your job and, and head cross country. Like you can just start small, rent something, go to a local park, see your local area. We live in a beautiful part of the country. So, um, 
Yeah, that's what I would say. And that's wonderful advice. You know, I was listening to uh, one of your episodes about your recent trip to Yellowstone. Yeah. Tell me a bit about that experience. And because, you know, you share it on your show, but it actually turned out to be kind of a cool experience. I mean, yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. It's that unfortunate, fortunate. So tell me a bit about it, please. So I went to Yellowstone. Gosh, that was in July of this year. Um, I was actually there Fourth of July weekend. I mean, I lucked out in so many ways. It was right after all the flooding. And so I think there was people who were canceling. So I was able to get three nights inside the park. But um, as I was driving in, I started to notice my van just kind of didn't have the oomph that it normally has. You know, you're in a pretty high altitude there at Yellowstone. Some of the people were suggesting that maybe it was the altitude and try putting this stuff in your gas to clean it out and whatnot. Anyway, I kind of had, I had three days, three nice days in Yellowstone, got to drive around a bit, uh, but didn't really explore all that much because I was a little anxious about the vehicle. Literally, as I was on my way out of the park on the 4th of July, uh, I stopped uh, at a waterfall like near the south entrance on my way into the Tetons and came back to my car and in the van and it wouldn't start. So what ended up happening was I ended up getting towed. They have service stations within Yellowstone. So that is pretty, um, that was pretty fortuitous. And they just, I was able, I mean, I didn't, I was in an area with no cell reception, but I do travel with a bike. So I rode my bike up to the ranger station. They ended up giving me a lift up to the service station where I got the uh, tow truck and they drove down and he was actually able to get my van started and I drove it back. Pretty much diagnosed it with needing a new transmission. And so we got it, they got it so that I could drive it. I would have to, you know, put it in neutral to start it. And it wasn't, it was basically missing like second gear, you know. Um, And so anyway, I was able to come back to Portland and get it fixed. But I guess the fortunate part was I got an extra free night in Yellowstone. So uh, that happened. And um, but then it's kind of been it's been a hassle since getting your transmission rebuilt in a 23 year old vehicle is um, it can be it can be challenging as well. And so I actually they actually had to do it like three different times before they finally got it right. But here I am. I finally heading out running now back up and running. And if I recall the name of your RV. Did you name your RV? It's squeaky. I named it squeaky because it it's squeaky. It makes it makes a lot of noises here and there. But as you're, you're getting used down to those road. now, right? Um the oh, noises. You so know, you now know. One of the big yeah. Yeah, I know what it was. Actually, one of the biggest squeaks that it was making. Turns out I needed um new shocks when I first bought it. And so once I got the shocks replaced. It's not quite as squeaky as it once was, but I'll tell you, it drives a lot better. So that's good. 
now let's transition and tell me a little bit about where are some of the adventures that Squeaky's taking you to in and around the Northwest? Yeah, one of the things that I do, um, Brooks, is I'm a volunteer campground host at some of the Oregon State Parks. So actually where I'm sitting right now at Love Pine State Park out near Bend is a beautiful park out in Central Oregon. And I spent a month here last year volunteering. Um, I also have volunteered out at Wallawa Lake State Park, which is one of the gems of Oregon. Uh, beautiful lake, the Wallawa Mountains. If you haven't been out that way, highly recommend it. And then let's see, I volunteered over at Silver Falls State Park, which is pretty close to Portland. It's a wonderful little uh, park, actually a huge park with lots of amazing waterfalls, a really spectacular waterfall hike through the park. So those are some of the places that I've been, you know, as a volunteer for the Oregon State Parks. You do one month at each site. Sometimes you can do more, but I usually do a month because by a month I'm ready to move on. And you and you work maybe about 20 hours a week in exchange for a free a free site. But it's a great way to get to know an area, spend, you know, get be able to spend a month in a place getting the and having community there especially as a solo traveler because you got all the other hosts that are working there with you so that that's good as well we have some amazing parks on the coast in oregon i i love fort stevens state park mm -hmm. i love um cape lookout and halem bay yeah we have some really gorgeous state parks in oregon but i feel like the inland part of the state often gets overlooked too. If you talk to people outside of the state who are coming to visit, like their primary focus is going to the Oregon coast versus, you know, or it's like Oregon coast, Portland, or Bend. And they're missing a lot of other cool stuff in the state. Yeah. So tell yeah. me, if I were to fly into Portland, uh -huh. into an RV, and I've got 10 days. So I've only taken a week off from work. So maybe I fly in Friday night or Saturday. Okay. And I'm there basically a week. So, I mean, seven to 10-ish days. What would be the idyllic loop or in-out? Give me an itinerary okay. for the perfect Oregon 10-day trip. You know what? You're going to miss the coast, but I'll tell you the Columbia River Gorge and Mount Hood would be the area that I would send you to. As a matter of fact, I just spent some time there. You know, you start off from Portland. You can head just maybe about 40 miles down the road, you're going to end up in Cascade Locks, which is um, one of the places where the Pacific Trail comes through. So there's a lot of uh, Pacific Crest Trail hikers that stop in there. There's a cute little town there. I actually camped there at, um, it was where the lock, the old locks is. Um, there's a cute little RV park there, county run RV park with maybe seven or 10 sites. You get a big a view of the, there's a bridge there called Bridge of the Gods. It's amazing. Um, a little further up the road, there is uh, the, the dam, the Bonneville Dam. I wouldn't normally think, hey, what's the attraction to go see a dam? But there's a fish hatchery there that is amazing. They have these giant sturgeon fish there and you can watch the salmon go by. Uh, there's a viewing station. You get to watch the salmon. You're right at salmon eye level. That's there. 
And then I also stayed, there's, a, there's another state park up there that I wouldn't necessarily recommend uh, because there's the trains are right there. It's not super attractive, but the Columbia River, the Columbia River Gorge itself, there's so much hiking there. You have Multnomah Falls, you have, it's, it's gorgeous. It's, it's, a, it's a national scenic area. The Columbia River Gorge is renowned for windsurfing. So you can just hang out by the beach and watch the windsurfers and the kite surfers go by. You can head into Hood River, which is a great little community where there's, you know, tons of little breweries and arts, artsy stuff and fun stuff there. Um, in Hood River, I'd recommend a, a campground called Tucker Park. It's actually right on Hood River. It's not right in town. It's a little bit outside of town, but it's a county park. And it's actually the park I named my cat after. My cat's named Tucker after this little county park in Hood River. Um, and it, it's all first come first serve, which is amazing these days that you can. And I pulled in there on a Friday, a Friday in August. Didn't have a problem getting a site. Um, there, it's all dry camping. There's no hookups. But I'd recommend that place. There's probably some places closer into town. This is maybe a 10 or 15 minute drive into like where the, where the Columbia river comes through, but it's a, it's a great little area. It's out near where all the orchards are and hood river is known for growing apples, peaches, cherries. It's, it's a, it's, they have this area out there called, they call it the fruit loop. And it's beautiful to visit in the spring when everything's blooming. And it's also wonderful to visit this time of year in the fall when you can start stop at the farm stands and, and pick up, you know, apples and whatnot out there. From there, from there, I would head up um, Highway 35 towards Mount Hood. And there's so many different, for, there's like different forest service campgrounds up there that are first come, first serve. But if it was me and I was recommending it to somebody, I'd get a reservation at one of the lakes because there's some stunning lakes up on Mount Hood. Trillium Lake is one of them, super accessible to get to. Um, that's run by the Forest Service, I believe. And then there is Timothy Lake, which has a series of campgrounds. Mm. I'm going to say maybe five or six, and those are all run by uh, Portland General Electric uh, that you can reserve up there. And those are also all dry camping, but Timothy Lake is, it's, it's gorgeous. It's a great place for people who are into kayaking, paddle boarding, that kind of thing. And then I would probably from there, I would, I would, so that would be my 10 day itinerary because I would take time at each of these spots. Exactly. You know, on the lakes, I would definitely want to spend two, three days there. Um, Hood fun. River, two, three days, two, three days. Even in Cascade, Cascade Locks, I feel like is a little underlooked. And you can access so many of the amazing hiking trails from there on the, the Columbia River has, I forget, I forget, there's like 10 or 12 different scenic waterfalls and you can hike at all of them. It's just, it's just a stunning place. So that would be my itinerary and total drive time, 40 minutes to get to the locks. And then from there, there's another hour to hood river up to Mount hood is I actually, I'm not hundred percent sure. 
I haven't I haven't driven that recently, but okay. You but know, still, I, I mean, they're, this they're... whole you could do the whole loop. You could do the whole. I used to do it like when when family and friends would come visit, we would just take it as a day trip and do that loop. It would okay. take about five or six hours Great. driving so it with stops and whatnot. Right. So it's an easy yeah. drive to do with an RV, especially if it's an RV you've rented and you're not super familiar with or comfortable with how it operates. So that's and you're just, not going to. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And you're not going to spend a lot on gas. So, right. yeah. 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 So that would be my suggested itinerary. Yeah. That's wonderful. For, Thank you for so an much inland for trip. Yeah, I also do that. love the coast, though. I do love the coast. And I would also recommend if you could squeeze in some time at the coast to do that as well. I love Astoria. Yeah, I love uh, Fort Stevens State Park is one of my favorites. Yeah, it's right there. It's beautiful. Time it with a raising, razor clam dig and you're getting yes. there. So, yeah, so good. Yeah. Tell me, where can people find you? on social media where can they find your podcast and uh, how they can follow along with your adventures uh, my podcast is called the solo women rv podcast and i also have a blog solowomenrv.com so those are two of the best places to find like rv related stuff with me i have uh, instagram it's my name at k belge b-e-l-g-e and i also just recently started a Facebook group for solo women RVers. So if people want to, who are solo out there, want to connect with community, they can, um, I don't know how easy things show up in search on Facebook, but there is a Facebook group called solo women RVers that I facilitate. Well, again, Kathy, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me here on RV Out West. I really appreciate it. It was delightful to hear about some of your adventures and your RVing travels. And thanks for some tips on, you know, staying safe on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Brooks. I appreciate being on here. It's time for our pit stop. Traveling with a dog means there's more to pack. And with another sentient being, it adds to the complexity of RVing. Joining me today is my beautiful eight-year-old daughter, and she's going to share with us her tips and suggestions for how to make your RV trips a little easier with your four-legged friends. Thanks for chatting with me today. Yeah, I'm very excited to be joining you. What are some of the things that we, or that you do, or that we do when we're getting ready for a trip, and what do we do to get Miss Penelope ready? Sometimes, if it's like, not like a month long, but it's like maybe a week, I would put some of her food and measure out the scoops into a plastic bag. But if it's like a month or like longer trip than that, then we would usually bring her whole bag of dog food and a scooper. Um, and we would we um got I'm pretty sure on Amazon like a dog water bottle. If you press a button and hold it down, water comes out of it. Um, so the dog can drink it. But if you like um, you can lock it so water can't come out. And you can also make it so the water goes back in. What about on travel days? Do you have any tips or suggestions on what pet owners and dog owners should do on big, long travel days? So we usually just bring her dog bed and put it in the middle of me and my brother. So um, we also bring, sometimes bring like a toy 
and she usually just gets on our laps and just snuggles us, and sometimes stays in her own dog bed. Did we bring any toys for her? Any chewies or stuffies or anything? Yeah, so we bring like bully sticks so she can chew on them, um, and like dental bones, and we also bring um some like squeaker toys. Okay. And dog bones. But doesn't she have a favorite stuffy? Did we bring her stuffy? Yeah, we brought her favorite stuffy as well. Something that she kind of got from daycare. Yeah, tell me about it. So when she graduated doggy daycare, she goes to doggy daycare. And when she graduated it, um, they gave her, I'm pretty sure, like some treats. Um, and then a little stuffed animal that has a squeaker. And she's loved it so much. Uh, is there any other things you want to add about what people can do to make their RV travel more pet friendly or what they can do with their pets? Do you have any other last minute tips or suggestions? Yeah, I have one or two. So maybe like um, an hour or two hours in on a road trip day, you should probably stop somewhere um, that has maybe like a dog area or like a dog park kind of like at a grocery store because on our trip we saw some and uh, we would just put her on a leash and bring her in there so she could play, stretch her legs and kind of go to the bathroom. And also you can kind of stop at like a Walmart or any stores. What about campgrounds? Did we, f did we find campgrounds that had uh, dog parks, you know? Yeah. So we found some campgrounds with like dog parks and like canine areas um, that are like dog friendly. And so you and your brother would go and what would you guys do with her? Yeah, so we would bring some of her toys. We would keep her on a leash and um, just bring her into the canine area and throw a ball and like play with her. But also if they if some parks don't have canine area, sometimes they um, allow dogs to go on parks, but that's like very rare to find. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you joining me today on this pit stop to talk about traveling with dogs and specifically with Miss Penelope. Thank you. You're welcome. I love you. I love you too. With the fall season just around the corner, that means that the RV show season is rapidly approaching. Perhaps you've been thinking of RVing, wondering what all is involved with the RV life. Well, in two weeks in our next episode, I'm going to help answer some of those questions. It will be an inspiring and insightful episode that you will want to give a listen to, even if you are a seasoned RVer or just considering starting out. There will be something for everyone. In the meantime, please be sure to share with your friends and family about this podcast and head over to Apple, Spotify, or Amazon Podcasts and leave this show a rating and a review. If you've not yet subscribed to the show, please do so. That way you'll never miss an episode. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like me to discuss, please contact me at rv.out.west at gmail.com. Now, get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon. Thanks so much for listening to RV Out West. Join us again in two weeks with our next episode. Please like and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you choose to get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And I sure would appreciate if you left a rating or a review of the show. Special thanks to Scott Holmes Music for providing the intro song, We Are One. 
RV Out West can be found on Instagram and Facebook, where you can interact with us and follow along on our RV adventures around the Pacific Northwest. So get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon.